Today, I wanted to start off a little bit different than my usual preamble for the podcast. We will get to this amazing interview with David Wood, but I want to share with you some personal reflection. Tis the season as we are in the month of December to reflect upon what is going well and maybe what is not going so well. So a bit about me, I am so grateful I went away to a curling tournament this weekend where I was a skip or the captain of an amazing women's team where we won the D event final in the fifth end with a seven ender. And what does all that gobbledygook mean? Well, we were victorious and it was truly amazing. And another thing I am grateful for is my husband, Dan, when I say, honey, can you do this? He listens and all of his honeydews are done because he simply cares about me and my happiness. And finally, I have amazing clients. I love, 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 did I say love the people that I work with because we can do impactful work. But then I look around my home and there is this sense of helplessness of all of these uh, projects that are not accomplished. And so I start thinking about what do I need to do differently to gain back more time give up some things that aren't serving me so that I can continue to enjoy the things that I want to do, the projects that are unfinished, but everything that I want to do with family, friends, and community. But then I reflect to you, and do you have a sense of joy, or are you still stressed about the work that you do, not feeling confident to navigate those challenges that you are faced with? And one of the things we realize is that sometimes we don't always give you a framework. We don't give you the tools to make better decisions, how to interface with your colleagues or work and navigate within your business. So this season, again, this interview with David Wood is a gift to you to help learn new insights so that you can apply them to not just work situations, even your personal life, and help you struggle less, navigate those challenges so that you can take back the time so you can enjoy the life that you want to lead. And that's my gift to you. And so now I am so pleased to bring to you this interview with David Wood. Let's listen. You know, this thing about being real, again, we often see ourselves as being real. The problem is our filters. Now, I'm glad we have filters. We want filters because we don't want to just blur it out and just hurt people. But our filters are separating us. And one of the reasons we hide a lot of stuff is because we're not aware of it. We're not consciously aware. So that's the first thing. There is a 3D process. And the first D is discover. You have to discover what's actually going on. If you've got any tough conversation or edgy feeling that you've got or something you don't like, what are you actually feeling and why? So discover is the first part. But the second reason is we don't have a roadmap for how to artfully, what I call, name our mice. It's much smaller creatures that are more subtle. And so that's why it would make sense that you might not say to someone, hey, when you show up late three times in a row, I feel disrespected. I, you know, if you said it like that, it might not go very well. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. 
Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop-In CEO brand, and I want to thank you for being with us for another episode of the podcast where week after week, I am introduced to so many amazing leaders who share their insights and perhaps inspire you. And I do ask if you love this episode, I know you will rate, review, subscribe, tell others. We love downloads and we would love to continue to bring you great programming. Just know, on a personal note, I am here to help the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. And now I am honored to share the mic with my fantastic guest, David Wood. After life as a consulting actuary to Fortune 100 companies, David built the world's largest coaching business, becoming number one on Google for life coaching. And he believes the tough conversations we avoid are our doorways to confidence, success, and even love in both work and life. And he coaches high-performing entrepreneurs, executives, and teams, and even prison inmates to amazing results and connection. One conversation at a time, David. It is my pleasure to welcome you onto the show. Thanks, Deb. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad we're going to get to talk to leaders about how to be even more extraordinary than they are right now. It's a fun topic for me. Absolutely. And you know, the reason why I wanted to bring you forward, I do speak to amazing people that help unleash our potential, but you also have a sweet spot in the area of having difficult conversations, saying what needs to be said. I have actually, it's very relevant, been having my drop-in collective, which is my mastermind, and all of my writings lately on those difficult conversations that we avoid and better ways to do it. So I am so eager to learn about your insights and give some actionable tips to our listeners. But you have the floor. Please share a bit about yourself personally, your journey, and the work you're doing now. Thanks. I, let's see if I can tie all that in together. I think I want to talk about the problem to start with. The problem is we all see ourselves as speaking the truth. That's how we see ourselves. It's like, oh, I, I don't lie. You know, I say what's what, but the problem is we've been conditioned. We've been conditioned since birth to hide so much. And if we say something the wrong way, we get slammed for it. So I grew up, my parents are wonderful. I love them very much. And I grew up in a country town in Australia and we didn't express ourselves very much. That's just how it is. I'm a man. So I got that against me. I grew up in Australia. I've got that against me. And I had a tragedy when I was a kid. My little sister was killed and I witnessed it. I was there. So on top of all the other stuff of being male and Australian, I apparently learned to shut down my feelings and emotions and just go straight to thinking. Now, the silver lining of that is I got really good at math and business and numbers and systems and money. And I came top of my school. I got paid to go to college. College was free back then in Australia, and I got paid on top of that. And then when I came out, there was a job offer waiting for me, guaranteed. After a year, I said, can I go and live somewhere else? Because I want to travel, but I did a year of travel, and I couldn't afford to keep doing it at the age of 20. And I got transferred to New York, Park Avenue, consulting to Ford and Sony Music and Exxon at the age of 24. So that was my life, and it was looking pretty good. But then Fortunately, I was unhappy. And someone said, why didn't you try this personal growth program? And I did not want to go because they all wore name tags and they smiled way too much. 
I'm like, this cannot be real. This is some kind of a cult. But I wanted to learn whatever I could learn. I thought this is different from everything else I've done. So I went in. Thank God they were ready for me, Deb. And they cracked my heart open. And I got to see that making a difference in the world is a real thing. Like you can do that. And that can actually be a job. And I discovered I knew nothing about true intimacy, true vulnerability, sharing the scary truth. I could share lots of easy truth, but not the scary truth. Leadership and true influence. I knew nothing about those things. I was successful because of all the left brain stuff and because I had a personality. So I spent the next 20 years of my life sitting with gurus and going to different countries and doing things that would freak most human beings out to discover what is it to be human and facing my fears. And I'm so thrilled now that I get to share all of that with my clients. I work with business owners because I identify with entrepreneurs and sometimes executives, and I help them with the business stuff because I'm, I love it and it's great. And we start there. But if that's all you want, you really should go to someone else because there are lots of people who can do that. I want to work on the whole person. I want to know what are those things that you're still a little afraid to express or share? Where are you not being you? I really want people when it comes to that time on their deathbed and they're looking back to say, I gave it everything. I really lived my life. Yes, I rocked it out in business, but I rocked it out as myself and I had deep relationships and I did not let fear hold me back. I fully lived. That's the end game for me. So I did not know that about you. And that is the beauty of the interviewing. I never know what I get. And I was starting to get shivers because there were so many talking points that resonated with me. But, you know, one thing that hit me that a mentor said to me, actually, shout out to Peter Goral. I had shown up on social media. I had been in that corporate world for over 30 years, had the great opportunity to venture out on my own and try to figure out what it meant to be the drop-in CEO. And while I was putting out social media content about, hey, I'm Deb, I'm an expert in this, let me give you three actionable tips. I was so stiff. I just felt the corporate environment wanted you to look professional and didn't do anything else. And one of the things he said to me was, get over yourself. Stop being that stiff person that you expect everybody else to be. Instead, be yourself, flub your words, throw your hands around, giggle a little bit, let people see who you are. So there's a real human behind just those talking points. I so appreciate you talking about taking care of the whole person and being yourself when you show up to do the work that you want to do. Thank you. And I realize you know, this thing about being real, again, we often see ourselves as being real. The problem is our filters. Now, I'm glad we have filters. Tim Minchin is a wonderful singer and comedian, and he's got this line in a song that says something about behind my eyes where all my fucked up thoughts can hide because God forbid I hurt somebody. Oh, and I just love that. It, and it speaks to that, like, we want filters because we don't want to just blurt out and just hurt people. But our filters are separating us. And one of the reasons we hide a lot of stuff is because we don't, we're not aware of it, we're not consciously aware. So that's the first thing. And in the book, Mouse in the Room, that came out this year, there is a 3D process. And the first D is discover. You have to discover what's actually going on. If you've got any tough conversation or edgy feeling that you've got or something you don't like, 
what are you actually feeling and why? So discover as the first part. But the next reason that we don't share that stuff is we don't have a roadmap for how to artfully, what I call, name our mice. It's not the elephant in the room, but it's these much smaller creatures that are more subtle. We don't have a roadmap. And so that's why it would make sense that you might not say to someone, hey, when you show up late three times in a row, I feel disrespected. You know, if you said it like that, it might not go very well, even though it's the truth. So we just tend to like, ah, I don't want to make waves. And what if it's your boss? What if it's your boss who's late and you feel like there's a loss of power and there could be a whole different way of being and you want to kind of manage up? If you don't do it artfully, it could be a train wreck. So I have a lot of empathy for people who subconsciously hide and I'm doing it too. If it's subconscious, how do you know? Right. But the game is, I used to follow this guru, Paul Lowe, and we'd go to these retreats for eight days at a time. And it was clothing optional. We'd be getting naked deliberately to bring up stuff and you see what's going on. And his whole thing was share your inner dialogue in this space with people. Whatever's in your head, no filters, let it come out. Now that's pretty radical. And so, you know, we were going up to people saying, I'm really attracted to you and I'd like to sleep with you. I'm not recommending you do this in your office, right? This is an example of a radical space where I was saying stuff that I would never say. We were saying, you know, I don't want to hear your story right now. What's alive for you in this minute? I don't want to hear something that happened three years ago. Like that, this was radical stuff. And then they'd have their impact and they'd be like, Oh, I feel hurt that you don't want to hear that. Okay, I get that. And we ping pong back and forth in reality. Now, I don't want everyone to have to go to that space. So I wrote the book to help us discover our mice and then decide if it's a mouse worth naming. Now, I'm always hesitant when I say that because people think, oh, yeah, well, most of these things are just not worth naming. No, you're wrong. Probably 80% of the mice that you're not naming are worth naming if you have the roadmap for it. And by you going first, we need heroes to lead the way. By you going first and modeling for people in your company, in your family, hey, I want to share something that feels a little edgy for me, but I want to do it so we can be more connected. Or I want to do it so that I can get this off my chest and sleep better. Or I want to do it so we have a better working relationship. Or I want to do it because I think I think that it's going to help our team really rock this out this quarter. If you do that, you are being a leader and you're unconsciously giving other people permission to share more of their mice with you and you can take the world to a deeper level of truth. So there's so much in that, David, that really resonates with me. But the first word that comes to my mind is very cleansing. It's very liberating. And again, there is an art form. We won't don't want to obliterate relationships we have unless they're a negative energy. But we need to balance between being, as you said, totally radical, saying exactly unfiltered what is on our mind to something that achieves a greater outcome. And this is what I talk about because I just talked about how to have conversations for alignment, identifying the people that you want to connect with and understanding the outcome of what you want to achieve. Yes, the little thing that disrupts you, that you're not getting your report on time or what have you. Yes, you have to have a difficult conversation. But at the end of the day, we have to think about what is the end game of what we're looking for? And very often, 
It is a human-to-human relationship because it's not just this one thing where we have a difficult conversation. We want to perpetuate humanity and continue to evolve and work together. So when you think about the end game of what we're trying to do and then have some cleansing roadmap to clear the air for which then we can do productive work. It is scary. I know I've done it a few times. You work yourself up. And then when you have those critical conversations, it hurts and there might be some tears, but oh my, the end is much better than where you started. Yes, totally agree. And you know, the first round may not go the way you wanted it to, but you can often get a second round or a third round and say, hey, can I have a do-over? I don't feel like I, I did very well. I don't think I listened as well as I could have. Like, can we have a do-over of that conversation? Imagine that. Now you can go and play more and you can talk to your direct reports where you want to correct them, or you talk to your boss where you'd like something different from your boss or from your partner where you want something different in the bedroom, or you really want those socks picked up or your kids, you want to feel close to your kids. And you don't really know how to do it. That's a desire mouse, by the way. There are eight different types of mice I've identified in the book. And one of them is our desire mice. Like, what do we really want? Those are wonderful to get clear on. You know, it's so funny and so relevant. I just had the great fortune of visiting all three of my children in Europe. One of them, I spent some time with, we had some quiet time together. And we actually, he (laughs) raised a topic for which we weren't so connected on. He didn't know exactly where I stood, that sometimes I don't take a position of risk in saying what's actually on my mind, which again, I acknowledge that. Wanting to be psychologically safe from a distant elephant, a distant mouse, caused me to kind of not always say what we want. And he brought it up. And then we talked about it. And then, yes, I listened. And then I said, you know, you're right. And then we moved on to exchanging some information to help us move forward. So it's interesting, even if somebody else wants to clear the air, we as leaders have to be open to receive it. It might be a little uncomfortable, but you never know. Most of the time, magic happens on the other end. I would love to go into the mice. The cover of your book is a big elephant, but you talk about the mouse in the room. Why did you go from the elephant to the mice? And why are they critical? Tell us a little bit more about mouse naming and the mice and how it helps us with this roadmap to being able to have the conversations we need to. Thank you. Well, the book started when I was teaching a course and someone came in to the course one morning, all excited and said, you've just got to name the thing. And we looked at her and there was nothing else. That was it. And we're like, um, say more, use your words. She's like, you've got to name the thing. You've just got to name the thing. Whatever's there in the room, whatever you're feeling, whatever's there, whatever's being unsaid, you just got to name it. You don't even have to fix it. You just got to name it. And I thought this was such a powerful concept. And if you're into fantasy books, you know, they're always talking about the power of naming, the power of things. And I have realized sometimes, say you go on stage and you go, or you're going to do a presentation at work and you're feeling really nervous. Sometimes all you got to do is say, okay, I noticed I'm feeling some butterflies standing up here. You guys are really scary, by the way, but let's all take a deep breath together so I can really settle because I got some great information I want to give you today. Just naming it takes away all the power. And I said to her, that's a book right there. Name that thing. And then over the next year or two, it just kept coming up in podcast interviews, this concept of naming. And I thought, what's an expression we have in society that's closest to this? Because we don't really have any 
expression of mouse naming. And I thought the elephant in the room, we all know about that. You see it, I see it, no one's saying anything. Yes, I could have called this book Address the Elephant in the Room. But this goes way beyond that. An elephant we both know about. If I had no shirt on and just came here bare-chested for this interview and didn't say anything, that's an elephant in the room, right? If someone turns up 30 minutes late and doesn't say anything to a meeting, that might be an elephant in the room if everyone's kind of thinking it. If your meeting goes late, it was supposed to be an hour, now it's 15 minutes past, probably an elephant in the room. Probably everyone's thinking, God, you know, we're supposed to be at it. You should name that. You should name it so everyone can identify it and get on the same page and go, oh, all right, at least, at least he or she knows that this is going late and we'll wrap up in the next five minutes. Okay, great. That's an elephant. But this book is for all the subtle creatures in the room that may not be obvious to the other person. They're your own feelings, your emotions. You might have a body sensation, like you got a pain in your back that's making it hard for you to be present. Or it could be thoughts. I have constant thoughts about, you know, I tend to catastrophize. So my mind can be constantly thinking about there's a class I'm in, an acting class, and I leave early because it doesn't work for me, my body to stay until 11 o'clock and do the class. And so I've been leaving early, but I've been feeling worried that one of the teachers is going to have a problem with it. And if I don't address that, then that just weighs there, right? That's a mouse. It's not an elephant because maybe he doesn't even notice, right? Maybe he doesn't know that I'm leaving, whatever. That's a mouse. So these are all ours. They're all personal. And I wrote the book to help us discover what our mice are and then to bring them out, decide if that's worth naming. And then if we decide, you know what, I am willing to accept the possible consequences of naming this mouse, both the good and the bad, then the third D stands for disarm. Disarm the other person so that they're in a good space, ready to hear what you've got. And you do those three things, rinse and repeat, your life will change. People will be like, what happened to you? You're getting real with everything. You're sharing more of your desires. You're sharing more of your tolerations and you're doing it in a way that I can actually hear you. Oh my God, I want to do this too. It's leadership. It's a book about leadership. doesn't say it on the front cover, but that's really, we need (laughs) leaders to do this. It's a little stealth though, in a way that people can relate to. So I just wanted to share a couple things and I, I love the naming. I use this for another similar context. Sometimes when I'm coaching one-on-one with individuals or even in a group, they often will say, well, I'm not good at that and or I've never. And then I'll start exploring, well, when was it that you owned that narrative that you were not good at it? And I said, does that person or situation or environment still exist? And often they have a hard pressed time to say, no, I'm not even sure who that name of that kid was that said I couldn't do such and such. Or even if you do remember, is it still relevant? And if not, why do you still give it relevance? So it's almost like naming that thing that may hold us back from a limiting belief, probably another mouse. And somehow when we work on ourselves, have a conversation with ourselves. Is that person still relevant? Do I need to deal with it? And if they're not relevant anymore, then why are they still affecting our mindset? Deal with it, name it, get rid of it, (laughs) which is where I see the power of this. But I would love to go a little bit deeper. Philosophically, I completely understand this. You talk about, you know, discovery, 
another D in disarming. But I want to bring this to practical terms, not giving up your book. I want people to get your book. But when we think about if we have to have a difficult conversation, what's an example that maybe you teach or you've helped somebody through? Because I want our listeners to come away with maybe an actionable tip of, I could try that tomorrow. I'm about to go in and have a difficult conversation to dress an elephant, address a mouse. Yeah, sure. I have one client who was an executive at a Fortune 100, I think, company. and. His boss was wanting to go in a direction that he really thought was wrong. Now, he'd already voiced his concern, but this company, they'd done an employee survey and they found out that people look like they're getting really close to burnout. And what the higher-ups were thinking is they need to change their hiring practices so they can get people who are more robust and who can handle more and who can work harder. And he was convinced that this was a bad move and that if they didn't change their practices, the company was going to have the same problem with anyone that they hired, but he'd already said it. So what do you do? So he's basically like, you know, now he's got this mouse and he doesn't want to make waves. So there's a worksheet and I give this away for free at mouseintheroom.com. Anyone can download this worksheet and the worksheet, let's go through the three D's. Firstly, discover what are your mice? All right. He has a real concern for the company and he believes that this is going to be wrong. Another mouse is he's worried if he speaks up again, he's going to get in trouble or be offside with his boss and maybe he won't get the next promotion or maybe whatever, or maybe he'll be fired. You know, know, whatever his concerns are. So you write down in that first section, here are my mice. This is what I'm feeling. And then another mouse is what's his desire. And that's in the worksheet. What do you want out of this? I want the company to change direction on this. Or even if that doesn't happen, I at least want to be heard a second time and make sure that I've made my case. That's gold to know that. I at least just want to be heard. And then you get to the next section in the worksheet, which is decide, is this worth naming? What's the upside? Could be a a huge win for the company if they actually listen to me. I get to feel clear and clean and can sleep at night knowing that I've spoken up. Yes, That's huge. Most people miss that as a benefit, but that's huge. The peace of having integrity and dignity that I spoke up. Another upside is he might be respected by his boss and the leadership team for speaking truth to power. So those are some of the upsides. What's the downside? What could go wrong? Let's get up close and personal with it. My boss could be upset with me. My boss might not include me on the next project. My boss might say, you know what? We just don't see eye to eye on this and I need someone who's really behind me. I'm going to have to let you go. If it was me, I'd be mocking that up because I catastrophize. I think a worst case scenario. And then you need to decide, am I willing to accept these possible negative consequences for the possible upside? I was an actuary. My whole life was statistics and numbers and probability and weighing things up. So I bring that to tough conversations. But now you can see it all mapped out instead of the subconscious just saying, oh, you just can't do it. You're going to get in trouble. So that's where we have to go to the intellectualization and just map it out like a process and just think about, like you say, risk and reward of dealing with these emotions that sometimes if they're swirling in your head, you just can't deal with them. And I will share with you. It's foggy. So (laughs) keep you up at night. Yeah. I hope the worksheet alone will give you the clarity you need. I had one guy write to me and said, 
I am batting four for four. I've used your worksheet four times in a row and it's gone well each time. So this actually works. The third D in this example is disarm. You don't want to just go in and say, hey, you are screwing the company. We don't want to do that. So you'll start with asking for consent to have the conversation and sharing your upside, sharing your why. And so it might be, I'm making this up. It might be something like, Hey boss, I, I know we've already talked about this issue and you've made your decision on which way you want to go. And as I've sat with it, I've realized that I don't think I made my case as strongly as I could. And I feel so strongly about this that I'm willing to risk ruffling, you know, rocking the boat to speak up again. And I wonder if you give me five minutes to make some points that I don't think I made before. And if you still decide that this is the way to go, then I'll, I'll get in behind you and I'll back you. But just five minutes and I'm the squeaky wheel. Can I be the squeaky wheel? Is that okay? And is now a good time or would later today be better? I mean, you're asking permission. You're setting the stage. You're being human. I will tell you, you are being a leader just by your behavior because others are watching. And by speaking up, asking permission, probably everybody else is thinking what you are finding the courage to say. And I know, at least on my scorecard, at least 80% of the time, when you say what's on your mind, most of the time, it turns out to be a positive outcome. Yeah. And I like that you pointed that out. You're asking for consent. When someone says, yeah, what you got, that's a game changer. Now they're in a different state of mind than if you just went and did it without consent. You slowed the process down. They might have been like an obvious yes, but just in saying, oh, yeah. And then your checking is now a good time because maybe they're, they're trying to get off to something else. But again, it gives them a chance to say yes. What we also did in that role play is shared the upside. Here's my positive intent. I actually, maybe I, maybe I left that out. I really think this could make a difference for the company and we could all win here. That would be positive intent, like that the boss could get on board with. And I also shared in that little mock conversation, my concern, you know, I'm worried I'm going to rock the boat and that, you know, you'll be like not wanting to hear this, but I've decided it's worth it because I feel so strongly about it. So now the other person gets where you're coming from. And most people are going to be like, five minutes. All right, go. And I would set a timer. If I've asked for five minutes, I say, I'm going to set a timer so that I'm honoring that person's time. My client did go ahead and did after we did a role play, because he was like, I don't know how to do this. So we did a role play, went ahead and had the second conversation with his boss and did change the direction of the company. They decided they had to give people more breaks. They had to support people in their life. They had to support work-life balance. He actually changed the direction of a massive company because he had the courage to speak the truth and he had the wisdom to get a roadmap for how to do it, which could be the worksheet, it could be the book mouse in the room, or it could be working with a coach or a therapist. It's really good to get some clarity because sometimes we're so in it, we can't see the possibly easy path to nirvana because we're stuck in it. You can't read the label from inside the jar. So the upside of this amazing roadmap, and thank you for David sharing how it can work in real life. And I hope people play this section over and over again, because you've just had the perfect phrases, words, 
that one shouldn't take direct, but put it in your own words, even if you don't get the result that you desire. The actual outcome is that you have developed a new skill to ask permission to say what needs to be said. People will see you as a leader, even if the company didn't go in that direction that you were recommending. People will see you. You might be pulled in to another role where maybe your voice can be heard. Maybe they'll take your recommendations because people are watching. And that's the greater opportunity, what we have here. Let me tweak that a little bit because I try not to be definitive. People may see you. That's one possible upside. People may see you as a leader. They may not. They may not. So let's, you know, address the other possibility. There's a risk. And that's why you have to weigh it up, but weigh it up consciously instead of letting your subconsciousness just say, oh, just keep quiet. There's a chance that they may be like, this guy or this woman is a pain in the ass and we don't want someone who's going to challenge this. And so maybe that's not the company you should be with. But you gain insight to realize that I can't do my purposeful work here. I need to do it someplace else. So it's always an upside. Yeah. I just didn't want people to hear that and go, oh, they're going to see me as a leader and this is going to be great because that's a good possibility. And then you get to weigh that up and you get to take responsibility. Will I do it? There's risk. Look, I've, I've had tough conversations where I've risked my partner breaking up with me and she did risk prosecution and going to jail because I did something when I was younger that was stupid and illegal. And when I actually tracked someone down and confessed and apologized, I could have gone to jail. I've risked not getting into the country on my visa. Oh, I've risked getting fired. When I went to my boss and I said, I would like to leave this company in one year. Most people don't do that because they're like, well, if you're going to leave in a year, why don't you just go now? And I created a deal with them, but it's scary. And I didn't start like this. I started with what everyone else does, you know, being personable and charming when I can pursuing my career and just being a human being. It was decades, really, of coaches who would encourage me to find what was true and then go and have that tough conversation. And sometimes I'd be like, no, I'm not going to do it. Once I waited 15 years because I was like, no, I'm not willing. I'm not willing to risk prison to apologize. took 15 years to get to a point where I was like, you know, if that's the way it's supposed to go, then that's the way it's supposed to go. Oh, I'm feeling tense just even imagining that. <laughs> I'm not, so I'm not saying you have to do all of this overnight, but what you could do, if you want an exercise, listeners, this is a really great practical thing you can do today. Get a piece of paper, put a line down the middle of it, and top left, write desire mice. Top right, write toleration mice. In fact, switch that. Toleration's on the left, desire's on the right. And then write down your tolerations. What are you putting up with at work, at home, with yourself? These are your toleration mice. And then on the right-hand side, what's the desire? Because, you know, every toleration is just a lazy desire. Mm -hmm. What's the desire that this is what you don't want? What do you want? And that'll give you some wonderful clarity. You don't have to act on all of it, but maybe circle two or three and say, all right, this week, I'm going to download the 3D worksheet from mouseintheroom.com and I'm going to fill in the worksheet on three of these and I'm going to go and name those. Or if you feel like once you've gotten clarity that you could easily do it without the worksheet, go and do it. That's fine. 
It's the edgy ones. It's nice to have a little help. And you can take the worksheet with you. Seriously, you don't have to like pretend like you've got all this at your fingertips. No, this is edgy stuff. You can take the worksheet with you and say, I actually wrote down some notes because I wanted to do a good job of this conversation and I didn't want to forget anything. So this is why I have a piece of paper in my hand. And I love, love, love all the insights you have. I mean, if nothing else, it supports all the work that I've been doing for my clients. Just have the courage to ask for help. Have the courage to say what needs to be said. Just have confidence in yourself that you have a voice. You only have a few precious years on this earth to make a difference. You said make a difference. And we need to be able to have our voices heard and leveraging the mouse in the room and all the valuable tools on your website are going to help us live more purposeful lives or at least struggle less and enjoy doing the things we love to do. David, this has been an amazing interview. Any last thoughts before we bring this to a close? Yeah, I've really enjoyed this. I am passionate about life and how all the puzzle pieces fit together. I think having a, a rocking business or career is a good part of feeling fulfillment, but it ain't everything. And I think there's so much available when we actually come into true connection and true self-expression. It's just a bonus that people may recognize that and go, oh, I want to work with this person more. I want to promote this. And that you become the badass leader that people want to follow. So if you want more, I have a lot of free stuff on my website. Most of it's free. You can download the 3D worksheet. Look on the top left. When you go to mouseintheroom.com, look on the top left because it's not obvious, but it's a free download. You can listen to my podcast, which is, of course, all free, Tough Conversations with David Wood. And you can find links in the menu at the website. And if you are interested in coaching, if you want to like really get serious about having life and business be better, whether it's a business you own or you're an executive, the first requirement for me is that you're already doing well. I don't work with people who are struggling in a number of areas. I used to. It's just not my sweet spot. So you're already successful in a number of areas. You're already doing well and you want to go from good to great or great to truly extraordinary. Mm. Go to mouseintheroom.com, look in the navigation and apply for a coaching session. I don't charge for that initial session because it's how I find the right people to work with. And the form that I have, the intake, oh, this is the cost of that call. It will cost you five to 10 minutes of your time because I'm going to ask you probing questions before we even get on that call. And even if you decide not to go ahead and book on my calendar, I think you'll get a lot of value out of the questions that I ask to work out what you really want in your life and where your challenges are. All of that at mouseintheroom.com. David Wood, you have to check him out, themouseintheroom.com. Thank you, David, for being such an amazing guest. You gave so many actionable insights for our listeners, and I too gained some insights and validation for the work I also am trying to do, help C-suite leaders navigate with confidence, struggle less, and spend more time doing the things that they love and have courage along the way. Thank you again, and I wish you amazing success, David. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.